Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Fun breaking away and talking fishing for just a few minutes. You know what, Dusty? We talk all sports. I mean, hell, we, we, we started the show with F1. We've got to do things. Because Kansas City loves all these events. They're always tops in the ratings. Like, Kansas City watches everything. I kind of wonder why there's so many people out in Kansas City at times. Because literally, they, they lead the ratings and everything. Like, people love sports in this town. And people do, do love hit, hitting the lake and going fishing. Watching I like hitting F1. the lake. NASCAR's this weekend in town. Yeah. I more so like to fish when it's like this time of night at the lake. Like you Oh, ate, it's the best. Like you've ate dinner, you've uh you've had your fun in the sun during the day, you're a little, you know, you're a little wobbly from the hooch. And then uh you go down, you pour a nice glass of whatever you want, Eagle Rare, little Bowen Brothers, Sazerac Rye cocktail, make a little uh little old fashioned, set it on the on the little railing and just Throw a line out and see what you can do and, and you know, then just move on through the night. And by then you're starting to play Circle of Death or Blank the Dealer and everybody's having a good time. And you got Van Morrison telling you there'll be days like this in the tunes. And that's that's what I that's how I fish. Well, I just, don't, just grab, grab a cold one in the cooler and throw your line in. Sure. Set it up on the cooler. There you there, go. You know? That's fine, too. A little lawn chair. The worst thing is going with kids because they will you can't fish. Well, yeah, they'll, kids they, are, they, yeah. They, they, yeah, they, they hook their line like every five seconds. And then you're constantly respooling it. Or they have to have you hook the worm, or they oh, have yeah, to have yeah. you take the fish off because they don't want to cut there. They get, they don't want to get spiked by the bluegill. Why well, use lures for the kids at all point? But then they lose them. Then they hook yeah. them around a tree and they're gone. It's like you buy these lures and they're gone. But you you can't keep putting minnows on there either. Catfish anyway. love hot dogs. Is that right? Yep. yep. By the way, uh, funny story. One of my friends passed out one time on the dock while these buddies of mine were catfish hunting. You ever had stink bait? Yeah, they put it on his upper lip when he nice. passed out, so it was on there like all night. Woke up and just could not smell anything but stink bait the rest of the day. Hey, good friends. I mean, just don't pass it on the dock. Take your ass to bed. When I was in high school football, we Do put better. some of that, uh, that like uh, atomic bomb on somebody in the midsection of their uh, football pads uh, in the uh, rear section, uh. and they couldn't sit. Like it was loaded up during two days, like 100 degrees outside, and that's where he was. But uh, speaking of two days, and it's well, it's one of days with the Kansas City Chiefs and training camp. But Justin Ross is a guy that people are talking about, and he was the one that was hurt at Clemson, fell in the draft, wasn't drafted, had his choices of places to go. He wanted to come here with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Probably looking at you know first round of injury. First start out, he led the ACC in yards per reception. 
his first year, but back in 2018. Hampered by injuries, but again, it's six foot four and has potential. But at his pro day, he runs four six four in one of them, four six eight in another. That's another big reason why he fell out of the draft. But I haven't seen an undrafted free agent talked about as much as what he has. But uh, looking forward to seeing him. Jerry Ely, too, is a guy. Remember Andy Reid when he was talking about some of these players. This was a guy Pete Sweeney had asked uh, Andy Reid, you know, if he's a running back or wide receiver because on the the uh, the roster list the Chiefs put out, they had him at both. We had him at, we had him at running back um, the, this camp here, and he's pretty good at that. You know, he did, did a nice job, but he does have good hands, and um, he's another one with big, big hands too. So, I mean, he's good. <laughs> he's, uh, he does a nice job. And Sky Moore had the biggest hands of all wide receivers at the Combine. But t- trust me, this guy here, and I know people have been talking about Pacheco a lot, the seventh-round pick. This Jerry Neely stands a good chance to make the team, in my opinion, because he catches the ball. He had 32 catches last year at Ole Miss. Average 5.8 yards a carry at Ole Miss. 4.52, speed at the combine. I can't remember. It's right, right around that range. But it's kind of like a McKinnon. You put it in the backfield, catch out of the backfield, because I think the Chiefs are going to throw it a ton. I think they're going to throw it a ton out of the backfield. Obviously, you need to be able to block for Patrick Mahomes, but you got to be able to catch. Like Andy Reid truly values running backs that can catch the football, and I think Jerry and Ely, one of those type of guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. So I'm looking forward to him, and of course I'm looking forward to George Karloftis. Remember Andy Reid talking about him going 100 miles an hour? He goes 100 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Walkthroughs, everything. I mean, I just got we, we had to slow him down. Um, but I'll tell you, um, it looks like he's got a nice feel for the game. Uh, we put some fire zones in yesterday, and he moves around well when he's in space. Um, he's got good hands. You know, it looks like for again, this is just what we're little that we're doing, but um, but that motor is probably the thing that jumps out at you. I mean, he he goes and goes. And that's what I'm most excited about seeing. George Karloftis, one of these guys, hadn't played a ton of football. He started playing when he went to high school. He's from Greece, moved over here. 41 sacks in high school, ended up having 117 pressures at Purdue. 54 quarterback pressures this past year. But he reminds me of Max Crosby. And I know we've heard a lot of comparisons with different draft picks because everybody likes you know, to compare guys to certain guys. And sometimes different players jump out to me, and sometimes they don't when you're making comparisons. But he really reminds me of Max Crosby of the Raiders. And if they drafted Max Crosby, the Chiefs had a hell of a draft because I know that he went in the mid-rounds from Eastern Michigan. But, you know, if they redrafted it now, Max Crosby's a first-round pick. But he's got that motor that never stops. Like, he's coming out there to kick your ass every single game. And you have to bring your lunch pill if you're an offensive lineman because Max Crosby's going to get you fits all day long. I had Jeff Brom on the uh, draft show two Saturdays ago. And he's the head coach at Purdue. Used to be a quarterback um, for a long time, but he's the coach at Purdue. And I asked him about Karloftis and how he reminds me of Max Crosby. Does he remind him of Max Crosby? And, and you're exactly right. And I think, uh, you know, we actually played against Max in college here, and he was at a smaller school. And actually, you know, he did a great job when we played against him. Uh, he definitely, you could tell he was the best player on their defense. Uh, and I think, you know, George going against the competition we had each and every week, uh, which was a very tough schedule, was our best player. So he just got a lot of attention. He still was effective. 
uh, you know, uh, the interesting thing, I mean, we he had one year, second year, where he had a high ankle sprain, which is you, uh, you guys who cover football, sometimes yeah. it takes three, four, or five weeks. And he came back the next week, and while he shouldn't have played, he taped it up, he went out there, he wasn't near as effective, but he didn't care. That's just kind of how he is. And I know of Coach Reed or uh, Coach Spag or even Coach Collins, hey, I need you to do this, you need to suck it up and do this. You're, you're not going to find anyone that's going to blink uh, uh, easier than than he than he won't, and he'll go out there and, and figure out a way to help, hopefully get it done. I really think they have several guys, Dusty, that'll really catch the attention of people in Keaton City. He's one of them because I think people will respect his work ethic. I mean, it's blue collar town. I think they'll appreciate what he does in that motor. I think Karloff is going to be a big fan. Uh, people are going to be, be a big fan of him. And the other was Leo Chanel, the inside linebacker from Wisconsin, had eight sacks, led Wisconsin. Last two years in sacks. He's not even an edge rusher. He's an inside linebacker. He's also wearing 49, yeah, which is kind of uh, poetic waited, justice. Should they have waited longer? Because I know that now, Carl Loftus is wearing 56, Derek Johnson. I'm kidding about Reed Sorensen. Yeah. Or Dan Sorensen. You go ahead and wear that jersey. Now, what about Pacheco? He's already wearing Tyree Kills. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Bob and I talked about it today. If you retire a chief, you may wait a couple years before yeah. you do it. But if you got traded or left on your own, your number's up for grabs. Yeah, like who was it wearing 88? Wasn't there like a tight end that we had? That, several have worn yeah, that. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. The uh, the uh, tight end, for, uh, the basketball player from Penn State. Yeah. Ross. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, wore it there too. But the uh, I think that Karloff is going to be a favorite. Chanel is going to be a favorite. And I really think the guy people are going to be driving up I-29 to watch is Sky Moore. Maybe, They've yeah. heard so much about Sky Moore. Mark Ross from NFL Network said he was his favorite player in the draft this past year. You've heard all the accolades for him. He does go in the second round. Um, I think he's a first-round guy. A lot of people think first-round guy. Mel Kuyper said he was the best, most underrated player at the draft at any position. That stuff excites me. Like, this draft class excites me. Trent McDuffie excites me. Gave up less yards than any corner last year coming out in the draft. And he was part of that great secondary with Kyler Gordon, who was also drafted from the Washington Huskies at corner. So I'm excited to see him, too. And the other one, too, is Kennard, the nasty offensive lineman from Kentucky. Big son of a gun, too. Reminds you of Trey Smith. I mean, everybody yeah, fell we'll in love see. with Trey Smith and just the pancakes, and the guy was mean, nasty, knocked you to the ground. He wants to knock you to the ground again. Had the chip on the shoulder. He was a sixth-round pick. Kennard was a fifth-round pick right out of the SEC, and he was voted. Uh, Kennard was voted the top blocker out of the SEC last year with the Jacobs Award they give to the best blocker. In the SEC every year, 30 pancake blocks, gave up one sack at 350 pass attempts. That's going to be another guy. Again, this is so many guys I think people like. Brian Cook, the hard-hitting safety. I think they like him. Now, it may take a while for Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson for you guys to fall in love with, but the Chiefs have several guys here. And I think rookie jerseys are going to be interesting this year. Between Karloftis, Moore, and Leo Chennault, I think those are going to be extremely popular jerseys for people to buy. I think the other thing that makes this draft a little bit more interesting is the circumstances that have built itself around it, right? Like you lose a Charvarius Ward, you lose a Tyreek Hill, and you need somebody on the edge. What did the Chiefs do? The Chiefs drafted an edge rusher, the Chiefs drafted a receiver, and the Chiefs drafted a wide or a corner in all the first three picks. So you go... Carl Loftus, Sky Moore, McDuffie, Phil, 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 need, need, need. Not only that, 
the Chiefs are a dominant team in this town. They've been to two Super Bowls. They've been to four consecutive AFC Championship games, and everybody's kind of connected because they want to see how they keep this type of blueprint going forward. We mentioned earlier in the show, um, you know, the Titans window is is all but closed and locked, and they got to figure out a way to keep it going because they don't have a Patrick Mahomes. They have a Ryan Tannehill. They don't have a Tyreek Hill. They don't have an A.J. Brown. But what the Chiefs did is the Chiefs went and got – three to four guys that have a specific role. And then they drafted one who has a potential to be a wide receiver one on this team. And Ross, if injuries stay away and the freak accidents that had happened to that poor young man in his life. But if stuff like that goes away and he becomes the, you know, the player that he can be Juju Smith Schuster, a new face in a new place with an old pass behind him, who's still very young and then these draft picks that you that you got in this year's draft, which was a very big need with every pick that you got in the first five to six picks, you're going to have people involved. You're going to have people following along with these processes. And then again, if two to three of them work out to be pro bowlers within the first like three years of their career, then we look back on this draft and we think this is why the Chiefs were dominant for six, seven, eight years because Brett Veach got it right in the draft. He got it right at free agency, and they used the contracts in the right way. Did it break a lot of people's hearts when Tyree Kill went to Miami and did videos about how he wanted to be with the Penguin? Sure. But is it going to break anybody's heart when they forget about that, when they're in the playoffs again and they're contending for the AFC Championship game again because they built young, talented rosters throughout time? That's where I think there's a lot of attention and a lot of attraction to this draft. And, yes, Everybody's got a different personality. That's life. But the guys with the personalities they drafted are fantastic. Karloftis wants to kill you. He's like a cyborg. Chanel wants to just go split somebody's head open. McDuffie's just a quiet, cool, calm, complex corner. Sky Moore knows what his role is, and he knows he's got Patrick Kennard Mahomes. Kennard wants to bury you. Kennard wants to rip your face off, and they all want to win. And they're and, all mean and nasty. And right. they, they bring this attitude, Dusty. It's no turning wheels. Sure. It reminds me of the Steelers and the Patriots. Like, those guys are ready to play right away. Yeah. Because there was expectations. Like, you're coming in as a rookie, and they're like, big deal. Right. It's, it's kind of like the Royals in 15 when guys would come up for the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Like, they were expected to help that team win right away. And it was considered. They weren't like, Here, here's some patience. We'll give you one or two months. No, that wasn't it. It was perform right now. And it's almost considered a privilege to be here. Like, it's not a privilege to go play in Jacksonville. Okay. I'm sorry to tell you that. It's not a privilege to be Aiden Hutchinson to go play for Detroit because what that is is, like, that's more of, like, a demand. Like, hey, buddy, you need to fix our team. We drafted you pretty high up so you could do it. With the Chiefs, it's like, hey, you have a chance to play with one of the best quarterbacks to ever play this game in the first five years of his career. We've been to four straight AFC Championship games. We've been to two Super Bowls. You know what it's about. You should feel honored to play here. That's kind of the message. You have a chance to win a Super Bowl. When I interviewed all those cats, I think three of them were like, I'm ready to start winning and be a, in a championship contender. They know. They know what the deal is. Then they all said like little... pros when they met the media this week. Right. It's an interesting day, man. Like it's it's a new it's a new type of Chiefs team with the same type of blueprint. It's quarterback play. Let's blitz this the opposing quarterback and let's try to put up 28 a game and only give up 20 and we'll be just fine. Text lines asking me about Mike Rose. He's the linebacker from Iowa State, undrafted free agent. Excited about him. I actually threw a uh, threw a uh, seventh round pick on him. My latest mock draft because I like I like him too. But coming up next, 
Andy Reid, he's not retiring anytime soon. The pelt is on the wall. Patrick Mahomes will explain next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Binkley, Dusty Likens, get down with it. Do you ever watch the chill moonshiners? Is that what this music reminds you of? Well, they, they have people making moonshine, but they also go around and make spirits. Ah. You know, from they visit like distilleries and stuff like that. I ever tell you my worst experience with moonshine? Like no, I mean, but just going to distilleries and oh, seeing. Oh, yeah, I tra- love distilleries. Trying to recreate bourbon from like 100 years ago and stuff. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Worst experience I ever had with moonshine, real quick story, was in college. Uh, my buddy had a loft. Uh, two of my best friends lived in right on Pine Street in Warrensburg. Well, across the hallway at another loft, this guy made his own moonshine. And I didn't really know the process of it. I didn't know how you did it. I know you put like a fruit or something in there to kind of, you know, whatever. And he had made some, and it was peach moonshine. And I, uh, he had the peaches sitting out on a napkin after he pulled them out of the original batch. And uh, I went and grabbed one and put it in my mouth and ate it. <laughs> and the first thing that happened when I bit into it, just pure moonshine just gushed out. And I've never swallowed fire, but that's probably, I think, the best comparison I could get if I ever did. And the guy watched me do it, and he goes, okay, man, one of two things need to happen. Either you need to go where you're going to stay the night, or you need to, like, get that out of your system immediately. And I was like, well, I don't want to end the night. He goes, well, the bathroom's over there. And I made myself vomit because I had probably, like, (laughs) 140 proof all at once, white lightning right down the hatch. I had to get rid of it. So I don't eat the fruit of moonshine don't anymore. Don't eat the fruit of moonshine. Don't do it. Not worth it. But they, I think you'd like the spirit one when they go to different distilleries. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, I, and, and recreate, it, recreate old bourbons and stuff like that. Yeah, and my, my money spot for... their own barrels for, that they build. Yeah, my money spot for bourbons anywhere from like 90 to 100 proof, that window. I like that. Now, some people love the Elijah K, Elijah Craig barrel proof. It's like, a, like I have a bottle of it. It's 128.4% alcohol. Yeah, they redid that one, I believe. <laughs> yeah. But they could, they could shake the bottle and tell the proof of it. Oh, I'm sure. Just by shaking the bottle. Yeah, I mean, bottle and bond, 100 proof, has to age four years. That's a nice finish, like a like an E.H. Taylor. That's a good That's a good, uh, That's a a good. good spirit. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. So... Uh, they knew that it was 100-proof when you can strike it and it lights fire. Uh, that's how they know it's 100-proof. <laughs> uh, to be bottled and bond, to be watched for four years, E.H. Taylor, a good bourbon, a good spirit, um, among many others. Well, I know that uh, you've really gotten into that, and it's pretty pretty cool stuff. Andy Reid was asked by Carrington Harrison uh, Friday. It's on 610sports.com on demand, his interview uh, with one Andy Reid, but was asked, he asked him, does he ever considered retirement? Don't forget, A.D. Reed's only 64 years old. Bill Belichick's sitting there at 70 years old, believe it or not. But here was uh, Andy Reed's response. I haven't gotten to that point yet. You know, I've, um, I'm, still, I'm still excited and about the job. And um, I, when I get to that point, I'm, I'm sure we'll know like they did. I mean, they had a, a, I'm friends with a couple of those guys that you're mentioning. So uh, they, they just knew it was time. And so I've, I've heard that before and, uh, I'm not there yet. That's not where I, where I'm at, uh, feeling wise. But I know that day will come. I mean, it's uh, and it'll, it'll be here sooner than later, right? I mean, that's how that's how this thing works when you get you get older. I'm on the backside of the career, but I I love every minute of it. And um, as of today, so that's that's how I roll with it. 
Well, his career's been made not because he's been this two Super Bowls, not because he's won one, not because he's won 100 games in Philadelphia and 100 games in Kansas City. All that's great. But he was always known as the quarterback whisperer, the guy that could get the most out of quarterbacks, and he did for the most part. Look at the look at what he got out of Alex Smith. You know, Harbaugh got a little bit of something out of Alex Smith. Urban Meyer definitely did back at Utah, but it took a while for Alex Smith. But Andy Reid got the best out of Alex Smith that you could possibly get. Squeezed all the blood out of that turnip. But to me, Patrick Mahomes' success and failure, it relied on Andy Reid. Andy Reid's part of the uh, the group that started the quarterback camp. But not only that, but Patrick Mahomes was his guy. And don't forget the day that Dorsey was let go, Andy Reid had signed an extension. That's how bad they wanted him to be with Patrick Mahomes, which is 100% the right decision when they made it. But it's not Dorsey. It's not Beach. It was Andy Reid. When the Chiefs were going quarterback and going to be trading up for a quarterback, it was nobody else but Andy Reid selecting who that quarterback is. Now, he's always got a pep in his step. And he always forgets about those losses, even though us as fans, those losses linger a lot, just like the, the Cincinnati game. I'm sure it drives him nuts too, but he knows what he has in Patrick Mahomes. He knows with these new weapons, a wide receiver, he can spread it around. That gets him excited looking at the offense and the different things that he could do. But Mahomes is that pelt on the wall for Andy Reid. Yes, he's had a great coaching career. But the fact that he turned, because if Mahomes was a failure, Andy Reid would have had to wear that. Like, he would have had to wear that, but he didn't have to wear that. And he turned Mahomes into a great quarterback. And something I said this morning, Dusty, there's Patrick Mahomes who won the MVP in 2018 of Bob Sutton's not coaching the defense when he literally had to score every time he's on the field. Again, if they have a great defense, he doesn't need to throw. Again, he's one of three quarterbacks ever to throw for 4,700 yards and 30 touchdowns for three years. Only Breeze and Brady, they've done it four times. Mahomes has done it three out of four years. Does he win MVP if they have a defense? Because I say no, because he still scored 50 points and lost the game. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time in NFL history somebody scored 50, point, 50 or more points and lost. But he had to keep lighting it up. Like, every time he was on the field, it had to be a touchdown. Like, that was the pressure on him that year, and he put up sick numbers, put up ridiculous numbers. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough that question year. because – I don't know if he necessarily would have to or if he still would have. Because, I mean, at that point, no one really knew how to stop him. I still remember the first two games of the season. He put up, put up, I think, four touchdowns in game one. And then he put up six, I think, in game two against Pittsburgh. Because they were up. That was where it was like they were up 21 nothing. No, it did. Then Pittsburgh comes storming they, back. They came it back. was 42 to 37. Right. So, so, and then he scored 51 against the Rams. Right. Uh, in lost the game, the game. That shouldn't have been in L.A. He scored 40 points against the Patriots and lost the game. Right. But he had to keep scoring, and I'm, I'm just wondering how the stats would have looked. If Bob well, maybe he would have had, so maybe he would have had like 4,548 or 45 touchdowns and 4,800 yards. That's still probably the MVP. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe so. I do think that helped, though. Yeah. I do think that helped. And you don't want to – I mean, you, he's going to win games, which but the what other, you want. But the the, the, the crazy-looking stats, you, hopefully the defense gets better and you don't have to worry about those. And the other thing, too, that kind of affects that is, like, is that now, like, what Patrick Mahomes has to do to win MVP? It's like, does he have to put up those type of numbers to win MVP because that's when he won his MVP? Because now it's like, oh, well, if Mahomes puts up 44 and throws for 46 and – you know, only has, you know, nine interceptions. It's like, 
well, that's a good season for Mahomes. It's not, you know, it could be better. So are we judging MVP on what he did the first time he won the MVP or the, or the talent in the field that year that he's actually done better than everybody else? So Great I don't question. know. That's a, that's a tough question to answer if he, if, if Bob Sutton's to blame, um, would Mahomes trade the MVP for a Super Bowl appearance? Probably. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think I think so that's obvious. So. I think so, too. I think so, too. Well, I had an opportunity to catch up with Pete Sweeney tonight, the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. We talked everything from the schedule release coming out to who he thinks the Chiefs are going to play, to even James Bradbury said the Chiefs look to signing him. I'll bring you that back next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Pride.com. You know him as Pete Sweeney. Good evening, Pete. How's it going, Jay? Hey, well, the schedule release is uh, just starting to trickle out. I would say that you're going to have some free time because you've been at rookie camp. We'll get that in a minute. But the schedule release is trickling out. Now, you didn't have anything to do today because the first uh, games released were week two, Monday Night Football doubleheader. Tennessee Titans, the Buffalo Bills, rematch from last year where the Titans won because the Bills couldn't carry over what they did against the Chiefs. Now, the interesting thing right. is that game is Monday, September 19th at uh, 6.15 Central. But the Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles, Monday, September 19th, same day at 7.30 Central on ABC. So that's the first one released today on ESPN slash ABC Morning Show. Pete, playing two games at one time, I'm not a fan of this. No, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think they could have easily staggered and and yes i i can understand why there would be some pushback because people would still be at work when the first game would be starting if you like go five eastern and eight eastern but even still i think you'd rather watch the conclusion of one game and be able to watch the whole game of of another matchup and so i think there was a slight botch by the nfl you'll be able to catch the end of both games but having to to choose when you have the disney company that runs both ABC and ESPN just, just didn't make a lot of sense to me. It could have been a really great night of a doubleheader, full doubleheader of football. Especially since they spent all that money on Joe and Troy, you know. You'd think they'd want to, you know, spotlight them. That's right. That's right. And, you know, where's the Manning cast go? How does that huh? all work? It, it's Manning? a little confusing. I've really liked in previous years where you do have that West Coast game late. Me too. You catch the full game as opposed to I, I'm in complete agreement. Well, the way it's supposed to work tomorrow is CBS game released a select game on uh, on uh, on the on the morning show. Then Fox uh, on uh, Wednesday, Thursday will be NBC, and then Friday or excuse me, Thursday at five, teams release their first home game, and then at seven o'clock they finally release the entire schedule. This thing is dragging on uh, forever. I love it because the NFL just keeps doing things right. Now, it's a select game, right, Pete? This could be any time during the season tomorrow when it's announced on CBS. Yeah, it, it, it seems like they're they're leaning into the bigger games, which makes – so we'll find out. I, I tend to think they're trying to give each team an announcement here in a sense. So I'm not sure if we'll hear the Chiefs' names again in a game um, connected until what would be Thursday with, with the big release. I am eager to see – who the Chiefs start against. We do know that that game will be on the road. We're just waiting on the opponent. Yeah, I'm just curious if NBC would put, like, the Buccaneers and Chiefs on Sunday Night Football or the Chiefs-Bills on Sunday Night Football. Like, I'm kind of waiting for that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, 
it also depends uh, upon CBS protection. You know, that, that could be a game that maybe you have one of these markets or I should say stations that wants to protect that game. And then rather than getting it maybe on Sunday night football, you get Chiefs and Bucks in that late afternoon window that they kind of consider what would be their game of the week. So there's a lot of options here. Eager to see the full schedule because I, I know this and, and I'm, I know you feel the same way. And I think a lot of people in Kansas City feel the same way. You can't really plan the rest of your, your year until you know when the Kansas City Chiefs are, are playing. And so we'll finally find all that out on Thursday night. Do you like the way they do this, Pete? Because uh, I remember a short time ago where you and I did this about five years ago, and we got laughed at. <laughs> and uh, we thought it was a big deal, but it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, it's turned into an animal. Yeah, no, it's it certainly has become what is just another one of those NFL pillars. And I I think you, you know it's a worthy it's a worthy cause just because I like I said I. Uh, the thing about Kansas City in, in planning and, and trying to get ready for the fall for a lot of teams uh, around the league. And, you know, they have just as passionate fans as, as Chiefs fans. And so I, I think it's a, a big time for NFL fans and they could really figure out, OK, not only like am I am I going to go here, you know, from all my home games, maybe I can finally plan, you know, where I'm going to travel. I know a lot of Chiefs fans like to travel to one game a year, so you can probably start to do that as well. Yeah, you need to make that Vegas trip, Pete. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know me. I go to all the home games, and I try to go yeah. to at least a handful of these ro- important road games. And so we'll see what the Raiders' record is by the time we get to the Vegas game. Maybe I will have to head on out to Las Vegas. Pete, we'll talk about rookie minicamp here in a second. We're talking to Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. And, and, Pete, when you think about um, the Chiefs this year and you know some of the pressures that the Bengals are going to have now, they don't have high Super Bowl odds. It's one of the – the lowest, actually, uh, for returning AFC champion. But are teams going to be able to carry that bullseye on their back? Because I know last year the Bills couldn't do it. If anybody in Buffalo really wants to complain about what happened, how about the game was in Kansas City when they should have taken care of business and had the game in Buffalo? Because it very easily could have been played there had they kept up their end of the bargain, not losing to teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars or Cincinnati. Because, you know, they kind of got a free pass last year. They had four wins the year before. Now teams are going to play them differently. I think a lot of these teams are going to see the same treatment the Chiefs have seen lately. Yeah, I, I think there is some of that. And it was the Chiefs for a long time because they just were the class. And, you know, you go to the Super Bowl two years in a row. Who else are you going to feel that way about? But I think a lot of people respect the Bills. I, I tend to think the Bills are going to be the most popular pick to win the AFC. It doesn't seem like anyone wants to pick the Chiefs. It doesn't seem like the popular pick. Uh, so I, I could see a lot of people picking the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC. So with that will come a target in itself. Then you have the AFC champions. Tough to say that in Kansas City, but you have the AFC champions and the Cincinnati Bengals who will be getting uh, other teams' best shot now because they went to the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs remain on top. I mean, this is still a team that for the last four years in a row has been in the final four. So if you can get a win against Kansas City, especially in Kansas City, I think that means a lot for your franchise. So I, I do still feel like the Chiefs will get some of that treatment as well. Pete, you're fresh off the uh, rookie mini camp. Uh, it ended today. It was a three-day uh, camp that they had. Andy Reid spoke today about some of the rookies. It's been defensive back heavy. Uh, five defensive backs were selected out of the 10 picks in the draft this year. Obviously, they're looking at all the quarterbacks they play next year. It's the who's who in the National Football League, and really only four teams don't have elite-level quarterbacks in the next year the Chiefs play. But uh, with Trent McDuffie especially, um, how did you like him today? And also, would you uh, 
Would you take a gander at James Bradbury, who was released today? Or are they going to be just fine? Well, the Chiefs have thrown so many darts at cornerback and really just defensive back in general. And you've created a situation in Kansas City where you have a lot of these guys. You could say it about the wide receiver position as well. You have a lot of these guys that are vying for about two or three spots. And not to say that James Bradbury is necessarily going to uh, be at risk of making the team. I think if he came here, he'd make the team. But for a team that went so heavily invested in defensive backs, you wonder if he would want to maybe go somewhere else where he can be the certain guy, the guy that, that runs that room. You know, you have um, other players in Kansas City as well. I, I think if Bradbury wants to come to Kansas City, I think why not? I think the room is very much unproven, and why not put another veteran in there for the right price that, you know, maybe it's a one-year deal where plays one year for Kansas City, uh, plays really well, and then can go hit the open market and, and really prove uh, himself and prove his worth. Uh, he didn't have a great final year with the New York Giants. So I, I think there is room there. And then when it comes to McDuffie and watching him, because this is really the future of Kansas City, this is their uh, first rounder that they ended up trading up for, I thought it was really interesting to see that he was working all over the field at rookie minicamp. I wonder, and this is just me wondering out loud, if the Chiefs would maybe leave Legereus Need as an outside cornerback, your, your number one guy, and maybe it could be McDuffie taking over that role where, you know, when you are in the nickel and dime, you see him going into the slot. You saw him working the slot, which is a little bit different than what Andy Reid said initially after the draft. So uh, it looks pretty good out there. It's tough to really judge these guys in, in shorts, but you you like that a lot of them got their feet under them uh, this weekend. Yeah, I heard you asking Andy Reid that question. Also, so I assume you have McDuffie as a starter. Um, what about George Karloftis? Because, you know, Andy Reid, you know, talk about him going 100 miles an hour today. Uh, I had his head coach on, Jeff Brom, over draft weekend. Yeah. He's got a relentless motor. To me, I know people have made comparisons, and and I throw out Max, Max Crosby. I mean, that, that kind of just relentless motor. You can't slow them down. You can't stop them. They're just going to come at you every single second. That's who Max Crosby is to me. That's who he reminds me of. We might see a lot of him, even if Melvin Ingram comes back, we could be seeing a lot of George Karloftis. At least it looks that way here. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I, I would completely agree. And, and when it comes to McDuffie, you know, just briefly, I think in an ideal world, the Chiefs have McDuffie and Snead as starters in the base. And if McDuffie can learn that nickel quick, then maybe he becomes the guy that goes in and you see Rashad Fenton come in on the outside. So it to be seen how they work it. I know they're going to be learning that in training camp. And then you're right, with George Karloftis, I, I, I saw him at camp and he didn't look like a rookie. He didn't look like a guy that was taking his first snaps in the NFL, which is exactly what you needed to see at rookie minicamp. So now a couple weeks here, May 25th, we'll get to see how he performs uh, in these uh, organized team activities, OTAs, and uh, building all towards training camp and really padded practices. And, I mean, that's the one thing that you could tell with a lot of these guys uh, when it comes to intensity on the defensive side of the football. Like Carl Loftus, as Andy Reid said today, is going to be needed to told, like, hey, Let's not kill our teammates when they get to like a thud period or even a tackle period of training camp. I feel the same way about Leo Chanel, and I think that fits well with what Nick Bolton was already bringing to the table. You know that Justin Reed is going to be wanting to prove himself. So it's a young defense that loves intensity and loves turning it on, and I think it's going to be very different than maybe what we saw in what was like an older version of the Chiefs defense last year. And last but not least, Pete, I'll ask you about Darian Kennard, the offensive lineman, the right tackle. He seems like a guy that would fit right in with what they're doing. 
And, you know, it's going to be a different looking offensive line this year, even though it's basically the same guys, but having a year of working together is so big uh, for offensive linemen. And you're, and you're really looking at the line from Mahomes into his 30s. But it looks like I would not be shocked if we're at the first day of St. Joe and he's the starting right tackle. I know Wiley's back. But torn patellar tendon coming for Lucas Niang, that is hard to do, especially a man that size. But I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being a starter for the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't know about day one. Uh, it, they might do, they might go in that direction. Uh, they were pretty confident in Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith right away last year, so you never know. I think Andrew Wiley's kind of earned at least the first crack, but I think very soon into training camp you'll, you'll see them alternating. And that, to me, is the very – um, the, the only battle, I should say, on the offensive line is, is right tackle. And the Chiefs are treating him like a right tackle. What was funny is I, I think a lot of people assumed and draft analysts assumed that whatever team drafted him, he was going to be moving inside. And the Chiefs have said and been consistent in saying that, no, uh, we see him as a right tackle. Andy Reid, after watching him for three days, was very complimentary of uh, what Kennard was bringing to the table. And I think he has a real shot here to start as a rookie. And then you have a really complete offensive line. You guys, he's got these guys on their rookie deals for the most part. Joe Tooney is signed long-term. If you can figure it out with Orlando Brown, man, you're locked in, which is kind of incredible to say um, that you completed this, really, this overhaul of the offensive line, quality players, young players, uh, and were able to do it in two off-seasons' time. Very impressive job by Brett Beach, uh, again, if Kennard is able to pan out. I know he said last question, Pete, but I have to ask about Justin Ross. Everybody's asking about Justin Ross. Andy Reid talked about him today. <laughs> no, everybody's talking about an undrafted fridge. Andy Reid said him was a little, what, a little slower at the start, but last couple days has looked good. Who knows? They're in shorts or whatever, but he'll have his chance in St. Joe. He'll have his chance in St. Joe, and, um, you know, I, I – I was putting out these notes on Twitter, and it certainly was the most play, popular player that was <laughs> asked about. Um, he has got the attention of the fan base. I think a lot of fans are hoping that Brett Beach got one on the rest of the NFL and getting this guy in camp. Uh, through three days in shorts, and I'll emphasize that, I didn't really see it. Uh, you know, you're looking at two possible wide receiver positions uh, that are, might be open for what would be a Justin Ross. I, I couldn't wrap my head around from what I saw in this brief look of him winning – those, one of those two positions, especially if he's not a guy who's going to play special teams, uh, that remains to be seen. He's a little bit oversized and a little bit too slow, I think, for special teams. But, again, um, you know, that's going to be up to, to uh, Dave Tobe. And, like, you know, if I had to predict right now, and it's my way too early prediction, I could see the Chiefs maybe moving on from Ross because they don't have the room and then him ending up getting a receiver position with another team. But we're so early here. He could look better in OTAs and he could look better in training camp. But, yeah, I wasn't – I wasn't so impressed with uh, Justin Ross, at least through this book. Well, OTAs, minicamp start. Uh, they start really on May 18th is when the uh, first day starts and go through. Pete, uh, always enjoy talking to you, my friend. Thank you uh, very much. All right, Bink. Take care. This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Big Good Night, Jay Binkley, Dusty Likens. Someone liked the show tonight, Dusty. He was able to catch up on things for the weekend. That's good. It's good stuff. It's good sports weekend. This was a great sports weekend. It's fun. By the way, Dusty, there is a uh, there's a new Neil deal, NIL, name image likeness rule that's coming out. Uh-oh. Guidelines were just sent out. Division one membership. Here's what to expect. NCAA has clarified that Neil collectives and directives 
are boosters and that boosters can't be involved in recruiting conversations. This includes using coaches to communicate with recruits for them. Deals also can't be contingent on enrollment decisions. I love Neil. I love name, image, and likeness. I actually like this. Because this means you can't have the coach come and say, hey, man, you know, Joe down here at the Mercedes-Benz dealerships giving you a free car if you sign with State to come play. Like, you can still get the Neil deal. But you've got to sign with the school first. Now, there's going to be a lot of wink, wink going on, Dusty. Yeah, like there's gonna. This can be hard to manage, just like it was when they, people were giving hand hundred dollar handshakes, and cheating was always going on in college athletics. But basically, you can't say, well, if you sign with Michigan State instead of Michigan, you know, we've got a million dollar deal for you. But if you do that, you're not getting the deal, and that's why you see certain guys sign at certain places. This will help limit it, I think, to some extent. But I'm okay with this, actually. Like, I'm okay with them not getting involved until you actually sign at the school. Then pay them whatever. So this includes using coaches to communicate with recruits for them. So the coaches are recruiting with the boosters' permission to the recruits. Probably saying, hey, man, I've got five hundred grand for you if you sign with this school instead of another school. Yeah. But eventually these rules are going to come down. Now, I don't have a problem with this because they're still getting their money. It's you, you you can't let it become completely free agency where you have boosters coming in and totally making up rules about coming to this school or another school because then it's going to become down to a haves or have-nots. There's going to be people lining up to give saving money to go to Alabama. Like, not even worry about other recruiting. Just go to Alabama. So says, while the NCAA may pursue the most outrageous violations that were clearly contrary to the interim policy adopted last summer, our focus is on the future, the board chair and University of Georgia president said. The new guidance established a common set of ex- expectations for Division I institutions moving forward, and the board expects all Division I institutions to follow up our recruiting rules and operate those. Th- this is going to be tough, though. This is going to be tough because... It's going to be a whole lot of wink, wink. Like, hey, you know, I mean, you don't have to come right out and say you're going to get the car from XY dealership, but you could bring up that other guys have. Hey, we just had a quarterback sign here last year. Uh, how about Bryce Young? Wins the Heisman. He's already uh, getting a million dollars a year in nil deals before he even played quarterback at Alabama. Right. So I don't know how they're going to govern this. I'm okay with it because the athletes are still going to get their money. Still going to get their money owed to them, but this will not sway the decisions because that's got to be so frustrating uh, being a fan of a school and losing a recruit at the last minute just because some dealership promised them some car or some Neil deal. Get the Neil deal once you sign. That's the risk of signing. And you know what? You don't get the deal you wanted. That's when you hit the transfer portal and you transfer to another school when you can give these rights. But eventually, this was going to change. Um, it also says the NCAA rules prohibit athletes from taking money as a recruitment inducement or as a reward for their athletic performance. However, the broadly written rules have made it difficult for the NCAA to separate deals made by private businesses for an athlete's services off the field from deals made with the intent of securing an athletic service on the field. Good luck, because it's going to be wink, wink. He's working for me for 200 bucks an hour. I didn't say he had to sign with somewhere, but yep. 
You know, that's what's happening. Anyway, had a lot of fun tonight, Dustman. Hope Big you- time. Royals lose again today. Two out of three lost the Orioles against the Rangers. Brad Keller on the mound tomorrow night. Here, Josh Vernier's on deck show tomorrow night. Post game show. Vern back tomorrow night. That'll be a lot of fun. He was on 10 a.m. today. And big thanks to Pete Sweeney for joining us, talking about the various things that happened at Chiefs rookie camp today. Dustman, great job as always. Appreciate it, mate. Enjoyed working with you tonight. We'll see you all later. Later out. Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Home values are through the roof with buyers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.